like people that just continue to do things in their life. I'm so not like that. I'm Alex Higley. And I'm Lindsay Hunter. And I'm, I'm a writer. writer, but... Welcome to I'm a Writer, but today we have Alice Kaltman. Alice is the author of the story collection Staggerwing, the young adult novels Wave House, the tantalizing tale of Grace Minow, and the definitely not for kids novel Dogtown. Her -hmm. stories can be read in volume one, Brooklyn, Lost Balloon, The Pinch, Hobart, and Joyland, among many other cool places. Alice lives, writes, and surfs in Brooklyn and Montauk, New York. Welcome, Alice. Welcome. Thank you, guys. I'm so happy to be here. We are so happy to have you and, and to hear from you uh, about Dogtown. Well, I'm happy to talk to you about Dogtown. You know, <laughs> right now, it's like next to my dog. It's the nearest and dearest thing to my heart. So, <laughs> <laughs> Is that what you're going to read to us from tonight? Yeah, I thought I would read to you guys from, yeah, it's the very, well, it's not, it's the beginning of chapter one of Dogtown, which is a like six character, actually, it's really a seven character book that's told in lots of very short segments mm-hmm. um, from six, six, hum- six human characters point of view. And um, there's also an like kind of like an omniscient narrator voice who's also ca- character who's really like the, the, the biosphere of town, I guess mm-hmm. you'd call it the only like non sentient being I've ever written for, but he just he, she, they only kind of introduce each each of the bigger four four sections of the book, which are kind of organized in seasons. And I thought I would read to you guys um, the first section of one of the characters whose name is Nell. And Nell is like a 20 something in the rest of the sections of the book. But because she's like a pivotal character in the book, basically what she does kind of causes, is, is, is it causes a lot of the action in the book um, and kind of connects everybody. Everyone's connected without really knowing they're connected through what she does. Mm. Uh, we can talk more about that later on, but I thought I'd read to you the section where you kind of get an idea of why Nell is as fucked up as she is. <laughs> yes, um, please. And uh, it's about her childhood. So this section is called Nell's Playmate. Nell was a sickly child, sequestered often in her bedroom surrounded by toys that only intrigued for so long. Labeled gifted, the result of exceptionally high scores on a highly unscientific battery of tests. Performed at age three, Nell's parents treated her like a precious doll, but one who could perform in a brainiac manner at dinner parties they held for their city friends at their charming, if somewhat disheveled, former farmhouse on the outskirts of town. Her father, an eminent legal scholar, took credit His genes must have been the reason Nell could multiply six-digit figures in her head by the age of five. But a gifted child was a restless child. 
Nell needed constant stimulation, higher hoops to jump through, more complex word jumbles to grope and order. Nell, the seeker and finder of the answer, the key, the golden nugget. She was always successful in the end. Nell's head was too big for her body, a scrawny frame kept that way by her preference for foods on the spectrum between blue and purple. This meant lots of blueberries, blueberry flavored yogurt, blueberry flavored yogurt dribbled over blueberries, a bit of blue corn, red cabbage, the occasional beet, and blue cheese smeared on purple potato chips. And though adults might find her beautiful in an ethereal, wood nymphy way, other kids thought she looked like a wizened troll. What with that long mane of unruly rust-colored hair, all those freckles, and those spooky, all-knowing eyes. Nell had a way of looking at you with a gaze that unfurled. Suddenly you were caught in her spotlight, held there, examined, potentially discarded. It was hard for Nell to maintain friendships. For one, she lived three miles from the gridded suburban center of town. So any spontaneous hopscotching or ball tossing with other kids was out of the question. More so, however, was Nell's innate oddness and all those sick days when she stayed home and out of the schoolyard loop. Up in her pink canopy bedded ruffled room, she would exhaust all the imaginary games. It was possible to play with 12 Barbies, a full set of building blocks and a collection of plastic stallions. By the time Nell turned 10, it became harder and harder to conjure imaginary friends. A pet seemed a sensible move. There were provisos, however. Nell's father claimed he was allergic to cats, but really it was his tyrannical need for order that kept their household feline free. Nell's mother was scared of dogs, regardless of breed or size. Bunnies were out of the question, too many wires to chew. Guinea pigs and hamsters who lived in cages lined with cedar chips seemed like barely domesticated rodents. What if one got loose and caught Nell's parents unarmed? The answer was Jumbo, the box turtle. A slow pet, one who seemed mostly content to reside in his plastic terrarium. Nell loved Jumbo, but there were constraints to engagement. Jumbo was a shelled reptile with limited physicality. He was no puppy trickster. Fetch was an impossibility, roll over even more so. Catch was doable if there happened to be a fly hovering near Jumbo's mouth. Nell was allowed, weather permitting, to let Jumbo roam around the spacious yard as long as she kept her spooky, all-knowing eye on him. One day, Nell let her mind wander. Her gaze floated upward to the sky where she watched clouds form and dissolve, bulbousness and wisps, shapes nonsensical and serene. She wondered about the exact location of heaven and if angels really existed, how could they sit on condensation formations? Only a few moments later, when Nell looked down, there was no jumbo, just a matted path heading towards a distant corner of the large backyard and thick expanse of boxwood. Nell saw a flash of brownish green shell glisten for a moment in a splinter of sunlight. And then Jumbo was gone, burrowing deep under the shrubs, en route to the larger sprawl of untended farmland that lay beyond, onward to another life. Nell sighed. 
Thoughts flitted through her head at warp speed. Games were over before they began. Answers instantly seen, clues discovered, the stupidity of it all. Tears as deep as lakes formed in her child eyes as a realization struck, a morbid truth that would hound her for many years to come. Nell might never be able to keep anyone or anything close by for more than a blink. Thank you so much. Awesome. Talk to us about what it was like to write a book with so many different characters. It was very hard. (laughs) It was a very different process for me than the other novels I've written. The two kids novels I've written, I mean, were very kind of like, I had an overriding premise and I had an outline and I had like a vague idea of beginning, middle and end. And of course, as I wrote through, as I wrote forward, that all shifted and changed slightly. But with Dogtown, I really had this idea um, that, uh, well, so I had written a, a, a short story about Nell, which was in Hobart, which was called Gifted and Talented. Mm-hmm. And it, what it was about is that she's this in her 20s and she suddenly is wandering around and she realizes she sees all these dogs like tied up outside cafes or just left in the back of cars. And she kind of has this idea that she's going to become the, a dog savior. And she mm-hmm. basically steals other people's dogs and kind of keeps them. <laughs> and it's not giving too much away because it's, you know, it's pretty early in the book that this all happens. And she sort of you know, if she finds her purpose this way. And so I thought, what would happen? What are, who are the other people that, what, what, what if I wrote about all the other people that she had stolen dogs from? And mm-hmm. so I just kind of put together, I used some old characters from other stories who I felt like I wasn't quite done with yet. Um, three of them, David, Patty, and um, Brady all come from another sh- short story I wrote. And then there's a couple of the other person that two people that are in it are kind of like um new people new characters <laughs> mm. so it was very interesting because um I don't know I just kept like having to put a different hat on every thousand words basically um, oh man yeah like yeah. is that is that how you would get into it you would you would sit down and, and do your thousand words and then the next day you would do another thousand words is that I would yeah I kind of like I didn't like like it was like okay what would happen with this character? And I really kind of had thought I was going to be writing like a novel in Flash. That was my idea because I really, yeah. really did not want to write a novel at all. Yes, I, I'm, I'm like, yeah, yeah, because I totally relate. <laughs> so I was like, I can't do this, so I have to do it completely differently. And so I thought I'm going to just try to keep these sec- sections pretty short. And yeah, I would do like one character a day, and I would just like move that I really moved forward just being like, okay, now Patty's going, okay, now David's going, okay, now Lucinda's going. And like, I would cycle through them all and somehow managed to get some like loose kind of idea of a plot that unfolded. But I have to say it was kind of much longer process to get this baby, whip this baby in shape than the other books because of that. It was not, I don't, I would never do it again this way. It was just Mm. like totally fun in the first draft process, but the kind of shaping it and crafting it into a a cohesive arced more or less book um, was really tough. Yeah. Did you, did you start with all the different characters sections being in that close third, or did you kind of, as you were beginning drafting, were you thinking potentially 
oh, maybe I'll do Nell from first person. And I'll, then when I jump, maybe I'll also do David from first person. Or did you kind of know as you were going through, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to stay close third with each of these characters and kind of just alternate that way. Yeah, I didn't know. I think I didn't know. And I think I tried just shifting around and it just mm-hmm. didn't work. It sort of kind of had to, it's so all, it could be since it's so, so segmented, like after I tried that, it was kind of like, man, no, you can't, you got to kind of keep it kind of in that same vein for all of them, since everything else is so not kind of smooth in a way, you know, mm-hmm. um, it's like a, it's a pretty unconventional book, I guess that way. But yeah, I had wanted to kind of play around with it, but it didn't work. Yeah. Did you have a book or maybe even an author, a number of books from some author that you were using kind of as a touchstone or a lodestar for you as you were editing, as you were going through, as far as just handling the multiple POVs and, and all these different characters, I feel like so often when you have that many threads at play, it's, it's so helpful to look at just someone who's doing something similar, even if it's just in the amount of balls they have in the air or, you know, the amount of, I don't know, shifting around and how quickly that can happen within your narrative. Yeah. I actually had read right before I started thinking about doing this, I had read uh, Mr. Monkey by Francine Prose, which was sort of kind of like my book in that it, this, her section, she has like five, I think characters in that book. And, um, it's a different use of the multi-character thing, but it is also in se- sections, like one character, another character, the next character, and that mo- it moves through time in a similar way. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was that. Um, and I, that was probably the one that kind of kind of inspired me the most to sort of try this. Um, and And I kind of, I did come back to it and look at like what she did that I felt like I, couldn't do because I'm not as good a writer as she is. I mean, who is, but, right? I mean, geez. Yeah, I know. It's always like, oh, well, you're never going <laughs> to you know, be that. So you might as well just try to do what you do. Um, and I think really just staying kind of connected to my love of short fiction really mm-hmm. helped me too. Um, oh, yeah. And I guess also like, you know, Liz Strout, like, mm-hmm. you know, all of Kittredge and um that book comes up so often on our show alice uh yeah Lindsay loves all of kittredge and i feel like adam brought it up right Lindsay? i think some other i, I think too Al- uh adam was talking about how his agent was like oh god not a novel in stories and i was like but all of kittredge <laughs> right 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 <laughs> i know i mean what a like what a perfect book right mm-hmm. i mean yeah so there's that too i was like okay and you know they all kind of connect and even though this isn't really like a novel in stories so much it kind of is and isn't in a mm-hmm. way but yeah so definitely that kind of book and all of her stuff like um you know even um you know that all of re- whatever the second one was all of revisited or whatever all of again is it all, all of again, again yeah. i haven't yeah. read it i haven't read it's it yet great. yeah it's great can you talk a little bit more about what it was like like the nitty-gritty of you taking your fun draft and then you know, reworking it and shaping it into what it is now. Um, Cause I feel like that is the thing that terrifies all of us. <laughs> like it terrifies me to this day, you know um, you know, like how did you get yourself through that? And how did, you know, how did you keep your eye on the prize as you were going? Yeah. I mean, you know, it's really, it's like, I always feel like you kind of have to let 
these things sit for like a certain period of time so Mm. that then when you reread it, it sort of feels fresh. And for me, a lot of it is sort of, again, since it was so kind of short section-y, I used to be a dancer and a lot of what I look for in what I read and what I write is a sense of rhythm and Mm -hmm. pacing. And so I think I went through the, for the second, you know, and it had to make sense too, but a part of it is like (laughs) rhythm Rhythm and pacing in terms of your kind of emotional connection to what's happening. So Mm -hmm. I would keep that in mind and think, okay, well, okay. So this is working for like, you know, for what's happening with David. Okay. So now if we're going to shift, perspectives there there has to be some kind of um connection i i think what i i think i tried to link somewhat something to the previous section whether it be tone or pitch or rhythm or an actual event Mm -hmm. that kind of kind of referred backwards so there's like a little bit of like like weaving backwards sort of like a um sort of a canon sort of approach Mm -hmm. You know, like musical canons or dance canons where, you know, you're kind of you do a a series of movements and then the next person starts it like midway when you're doing it and they keep going. And so I I kind of kept that in mind as I did the rewrite. Um, And then I kind of like showed it to people and it was like, is this interesting? (laughs) (laughs) And did you get bored or like, does it make sense? Like, are you invested? Like a part of it is like, you know kind of people need novels to kind of like have like this sort of you know oh build up and what's going to happen and like is this this the da vinci code yes exactly (laughs) like you know what's the you know what's going to be like the you know the crisis moment and how are they going to change and and this doesn't really have that so i had to kind of um i mean it doesn't it doesn't i think it has more of it now after working with my brilliant editor, Josh Graber at, at Word West Press, I think it definitely has more of that. We added a whole section, which I think is kind of, um, kind of makes it kind of do that more mm-hmm. in the, not really a conventional way, but kind of an authentic way. Um, yeah, so yeah, so like a lot of it was rhythm pitch. Are you, am I feeling bored? You know, like, I don't know if you guys, when you read your own stuff and all of a sudden you're like, I'm kind of bored now, mm-hmm. you oh, know? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so getting to those places and, and fixing those was a big deal, probably in the third draft, I would say. So. You have readers that you go to that you're like, okay, I want this person to like, be honest with me. And then you have other readers that you go to and you're like, I just want this person to tell me how brilliant I am. <laughs> do you have those two types of readers? <laughs> yes. Yes, I do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And so I think that's an important part of any project of, I just need praise heaped upon me. Um, And then the next one is, I just want to put my hair shirt on and cry in the corner. (laughs) Totally. Totally. And, but the person that's, that's heaping the praise on me, I always feel like, well, they're like a big reader and they read a lot of stuff and they like read cool stuff and they (laughs) tell me that they think this is good. So maybe it is right. Right. Yeah, I think at that point I'd be like, this person's an idiot. This isn't good. <laughs> I'm never going to speak to them again. <laughs> yeah. Alice, tell us a little oh, bit God. about uh, working with Word West. Um, that Dave was literally what I was going to say. Yeah, I know. Uh, <laughs> Dave is definitely a buddy of both of ours, and we would just love to hear more about the process of working with them. Yeah. Well, they, what was really great is like I had sent this out, I'd su- submitted it to a bunch of places, and they, um, like, they, David wrote me like, I swear it was like the, a love letter about how much he loved this book. That's and awesome. It was 
I've seriously like, I'm like, I, I have it. I, I don't think I did print it out, but I was like, I should print this out and like frame it and put it on my wall. Because if I ever think I suck and like nothing I have to say is worth anything, I can look at this and just make, it'll make me feel better. It was just like, that's amazing. Like, yeah. It was really beautiful, beautiful. And he's such a great writer himself. And again, he's oh, like yeah. one of those people that like, he, he, I'm like, oh my God, this like cool, really brilliant writer who like publishes these like really interesting books, like thinks I'm really good. It's sort of like, what, you know? And what's so cool about a small independent press, like, like word West is, you know, they're doing it for the love. They're not doing Mm -hmm. it because they think your thing is going to make them a million dollars and to be turned into a movie, you know? So, you know, it's really for the right reasons, you know, I'm just, that's the reason I, I mean, obviously we'd all love that, but you know, it's not what I'm after right now. So, um, so yeah, so he was great and we talked a lot about the projects that I had. Then I, you know, oh yeah, so he made the offer. It was like a week before the pandemic shut down. Oh, wow. Oh, my oh yeah. So we were supposed to get together. I think I got like, you know, the Sunday before, like basically New York and my, Brooklyn and everywhere. It was just everything shut down. We were supposed to meet like later that week. And then it was like, well, I guess that's not going to happen. So we did a lot of like FaceTime and- you know, introduced me to Josh and, um, and then, you know, by the time we had, and what was really great for Josh and I have both talked about this, that, that we had this to work on through the, particularly the first, whatever year of the shutdown, like there was this really amazing, cool project for both of us to work mm-hmm. on. And it really made me feel so great when he told me that it was really something for him that kind of carried him through too. Because for me, it was like, you know, I felt like shit about the world and, Mm -hmm. you know, basically the, you know, Armageddon. But then I would be like, oh, but I have my book to work on. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe we'll have that. Like we, we, we ended up having a zoom launch, but we'd hoped that we were going to be able to have like, you know, big, like dog friendly, kid friendly, Oh man, I think we're, I'm going to do it. I haven't talked to him about this, but I think I want to do that for the one year anniversary. Cause oh, that's a great idea. I'll kind of, um, you know, do it that way so that, you know, cause I really, what well, had this, I really, one of the things about this book is all I really wanted it to get published was so that I could have a book launch where dogs could be there. God, so, that should be every book launch. I know, right? I mean, my dog would pee yeah <laughs> on the floor of the bookstore but whatever you know <laughs> yeah well I think there's like this they're like these big like um warehousey um dog run doggy daycare places that are opening up in my neighborhood now so I thought we could rent one of those and just have like there you go yeah that would be really fun right yeah God, that would be amazing. amazing I know well if I do it you guys can come, come there to you me. go bring your dog oh my god my dog even on a plane I mean <laughs> my dog outside of the neighborhood would just be I don't know a problem yeah. <laughs> my my dogs it was b- back when I had two dogs um two pit bulls they got banned from daycare so oh, did they, Lindsay? <laughs> yes oh my, gosh. my one dog Wanda was like too nervous and anxious there and my other dog Coco was like uh-oh Wanda's upset okay that's it everybody's gonna die and so <laughs> <laughs> they had to put her in a crate and and call oh. me and she <gasps> she's had such a traumatic life that they were that being in a crate was even worse yeah. so they were like you gotta come get your dogs and never come back oh <laughs> my gosh that's the doggy daycare story from hell that's yeah. they were quite my dogs were quite pleased with themselves as they trotted out 
Yes, mission accomplished. Oh man. We were talking about how beautiful your cover is. Oh yeah. yeah. What was well, that, that process like? Well, that was great too. Well, that's so it's Julia Alvarez, who's um, you know, WordWest Press related. She designed it. So um, yeah, so that was great. Like I had no idea, like they had already had ideas for what they wanted to do. And they sent me um the original version, I think was a different color. Um, but basically this idea of, um, yeah, like these dogs that are sort of, what's so great about it is when you read the book, you find out like these dogs are sort of like lost, but not lost. And I love like how they're kind of like floating out of the ether up into like the sky or something. <laughs> so mm -hmm. yes, it was really easy. Like it wasn't like, um, oh, I don't really like what you want to do for the cover. There was no problem with it so yeah she just came up with this and um it, I could not have been more pleased with it so yeah it's really striking thank you thank you that, I love it. yeah that's one of the nice things about word west Lindsay and I were talking about is just for you know such a small operation there are so many you know presses that are similar sized but the word west stuff is really striking and stands out because the design is so good across the board I mean whether even even just for the classes I mean, like yeah, yeah. The, the, the advertisements look amazing. The book covers look great. And I think, you know, it really confers a, a different type of, of book that, that, that they're working on, that they're putting out, it conveys quality. And I think that that kind of thing is so important when the operation is small, because so often it goes the other way, even with the best intentions and people working hard, you don't necessarily have the right team in place to, to get all those elements working together. So it's really, it's really cool that word West is putting out such great looking books. As right. a, and obviously that what's, what's inside was, is what matters, but a lot of people don't get to what's inside unless the outside looks great too. So. Yeah, totally. I totally agree. And for me, I mean, I covers totally matter to me. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I mean, yeah. Like, so I, I, I am like, I feel like I'm, I just so, so important to me. Um, and that is one of the great things about it. it is also what's nice about publishing with small presses is that you tend to have more, much more of a say, right. um, which is really, really nice. So I would. And it's, it's like the artist has done, you know, a little more work at getting to understand what your book is about than, than the yeah. ones that are, you know, having to pump out so many covers a day. Yeah. 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 And it's so not like, and I, yeah. And, and I feel like with word West, all of their covers are, so different but yeah such high quality and um there's not like sort of this standard look right you know, which i they really appreciate so mm -hmm. i yeah. recently bought a t-shirt from word west um because david made a joy williams shirt with uh, oh yeah that looks like the toy story logo but it says instead of toy story it says joy williams yes so cool. yeah, yeah. <laughs> They should make one for you that looks like the Go Ask Alice cover. And then it's just oh. going to be Go Ask Alice Coltman. Well, <laughs> no, but you know what? They do have Dogtown t-shirts. There so. you go. Oh, holler. <laughs> I don't know if they're like, we did it for the launch so that we could have, so Dave and I were both wearing them. Because the cool thing about the launch is that even though it wasn't, in person like we live in the same neighborhood like we live in brooklyn so it was like oh my god i finally have a publisher who lives in new york so he and i sat together with our dogs on my couch and we were both wearing our word west press t-shirts and we actually did a giveaway where people kind of won them but i he should have them like 
He nice. should sell them on the website. I know. There you I go. That. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I will buy any t-shirt. I, I love t-shirts so much. <laughs> so um, what have you been working on? Um, obviously you had, this is kind of an amazing project for early in the pandemic and now the book is out. What, what have you been, a- have you been able to work during the pandemic? Are you the kind of person who's been staying busy or are you more like me and focused on watching hockey and drinking beer? Um, <laughs> you sound like a character in my book no there you go (laughs) um I had a really hard I mean again I was I was lucky that I could was doing sort of the editorial process on Dogtown for the beginning of the pandemic so I didn't feel like like I felt like I was being like quote unquote you know um productive Mm -hmm. I wasn't I found it really hard to write during the pandemic like to to generate any new material was really tough Mm -hmm. um and I think at one point, I think I did take a Kathy Fish um, creative nonfiction flash. Oh, cool. Yeah, it was cool, but it was really hard. I, like, I think all of us who were in it, because it was during the pandemic, we were like, why did we think that this would be a good thing to do? I was like, oh, I never do creative nonfiction. I'm going to do it because I love Kathy. And if I'm going to do it, I might as well, you know, try it with her. And let's do something different. And I was just like, this sucks. I don't want to write about this. And I, you know, we're all like trying, you know, some there, like it, like, like it couldn't help, but come into what we were writing. Right. It was just like, and it just, I don't know, it was weird. Um, but I don't know. I kind of sort of started to work on some shorter stuff and um, very, again, like flash level, not, no, no bigger stories or no, um, yeah, I couldn't like really, I can't really sustain my attention between having the book out and also just kind of, I still feel like I'm recovering from the pandemic, which is not mm-hmm. over. Um, so I've done a lot of like flash stuff and I've written a, I've kind of put together this little chap book thing that's mm. a collection of, um, they're like flash stories from children who grew up in, they're all from based in the 1960s. So they're all like from my generation of childhood. Um, and so that was one little project that I did. So it's, you know. It's awesome. Um, yeah, yeah, I, that's, and, and, I, and I'm working on a graphic kind of thing right now. Awesome. So starting to kind of, the, the creative juices are flowing again, but they feel very disjointed and not, um, it's not, it's not a fluid process. Mm-hmm. <laughs> are you, are you creating the graphic part of it or the words or both? I am doing both. Oh, awesome. yeah. So amazing. What, yeah. what medium, well, like, what are you using? Sucky. Amazing. or totally like, no, <laughs> like those people I send stuff to one of them, will, neither of them will say, this is great. Maybe they'll both be like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Bless your heart. Bless your heart. <laughs> what a cute idea. Yeah. Um, uh, it's, I mostly have been doing like the drawings in like pencil and marker and mm. really all. I'm just doing like black and white things now. I may play around with some color, but um, yeah, I finally had an idea. I don't want to, I don't want to jinx it, but yeah, like I hear talking that. about it, but I have wanted to do something like this for a while, but have never had an idea that I felt would like um, qualify or merit it. And, but I finally came up with something. So now I'm kind of going with it. So uh, it's something to do. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. You know, what I've also found is the 
the drawing part of it is so different than writing. It's like, I'm like, man, visual artists, I know it's tough, but you get to like do this thing and like listen to a book on tape or a podcast while you're like coloring in. And it's like, you can do other stuff. Whereas we writers, like you can, re- you can't really do anything else or listen yeah. or absorb anything else when you're in the middle of a narrative, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Do you know the, uh, do you know the artist Robin O'Neill, Alice? Robin O'Neill, no. She does these amazing, like large scale drawings. You got to look her up. She's great. But she had this post recently that she did where she was like, you know, I've just been watching TV while I draw and for the past like 25 years, it's amazing. And like, she just like, it was a little shot of her studio and she has a TV going all the time. And I was like, I was so jealous. I was like, if I could just have a TV going while I was also getting work done, that would be the ideal for me. So yeah, I was super jealous and maybe I should switch mediums. I think, I think you're onto something is what I'm saying. Well, I feel like I'm playing. Like I feel like again, like, and I feel like, yeah, I, I don't, yeah, my husband's a visual artist and he has like TV, the TV going or <laughs> he listens, he, he's more like literary than I am too. He like listens to all these like literary podcasts and <laughs> true, true crime podcasts and you know, news podcasts. And he, and he, and he watches, he mostly watches crap TV because he doesn't want to like, you know, because he is kind of focusing on what he's doing. So he doesn't want to. Sure watch something really high quality while he does it so he watches all these like really crappy but fun tv shows yeah i'm yeah. so jealous but I'm now totally like, jealous. i know aren't you like yeah. you should, well alex you should do a do a I know. Craft I, should. I, then, know. I need to yeah. yeah i just looked at robin o'neill's instagram and uh she has a drawing of of george michael's butt um, oh yeah you know her stuff don't you Lindsay? no no i guess i don't I can't believe that oh I know. yeah now, I mean, like I, I looked at it at it um, when I should have been listening to you guys, and um, it uh, it's it's incredible. It's right up my alley. So yes, yeah, she's awesome. All right, I'm gonna check her out after this. There you I, go. I can't do two things at once. So <laughs> no, I was just talking about that with my husband. Like pe- people who are at work and listening to podcasts, like what what the hell kind of brain is that? <laughs> How is that possible? I would just start typing what they're saying. Yeah, <laughs> like it was a cold winter morn on in town, whatever. Um, I want to hear about Hope Davis doing your book launch. Oh yeah. So I love her so much. Yeah, no, she's great. She's great. So she's a good friend of mine and yeah, yeah. I love her and her husband, um, John, um, Patrick Walker, who Mm -hmm. also read for me, they're, they're a couple and they're married and they're dear friends. We live, they actually, we we are next door neighbors and we you know lucked out with having great neighbors so there you go um yeah really lucky because i've had some nightmare like psychopath neighbors in the past so (laughs) and yeah we just anyway so there's a sec there's um there's sec the sections that she read were like there are three sections in the book that are pure dialogue with no tags at all just it's like you just it's just dialogue so it reads kind of like screen like a screenplay mm-hmm. dialogue and I thought I knew for my book launch I really didn't want to read because you know I just like I don't I just want to sit back and drink beer and relax and be entertained <laughs> um so I got Hope and John and then another dear friend of mine uh Susan Bruce who was a 
I, I know all these actor people. So wow. she, she was uh, an actress. She's now a poet. She read a section and then a dance, old, old dance buddy of mine who I, my last dance job, we danced in the same company together. She is now kind of studying acting and doing a little bit of sort of smaller stuff. She and her like class partner did a thing. So I got like, I got like all these entertainment. It was really cool. That's awesome. That is a dream. Yeah. Hope was great. She just like, she, you know, she's so, she's such a pro. She just knocked it out of the park. I'm sure she did. What kind of dance did you do, Alice? I didn't know you had a dance background. Yeah, I danced for many, many years. I was a, well, I performed modern dance, but I studied modern dance and ballet. Um, But yeah, I danced um, in sort of the 80s and the 90s. And then, and actually, I, I kind of kept, I, I, so my, my kind of like the career trajectory was that I was a dancer and then I went to social work school and I became a sort of psychotherapist and was still kind of dancing through, um, you know, the new career. And then there was like a, you know, maybe five years where I wasn't really dancing at all. And then I was asked to join this like old person dance company. Although now I think we were pretty young. I was like about 40 and I joined, um, I was asked to join this company, which was really, really fun. So from like 40 to 50, I was dancing again. Um, Yeah, I did stuff, you know, once I became a therapist, I really couldn't do stuff out of town very much. So Mm. all kind of local stuff. I mean, I could do small things out of town, but, you know, particularly when my practice was much more, um, you know, active, I had to kind of stick around yeah so I always had this double life and then I started um I started I started writing at some point along the way there too (laughs) yeah I'm not one of those people who's been writing like there did I didn't think I was ever going to be a writer and I kind of I think I started doing like picture book um sort of uh fun things for my daughter when she she was about five years old and then that moved into me thinking oh now she's reading you know it's like the trajectory like the typical you know parent trajectory of writing and I'm like oh now she's reading middle grade fiction maybe I can write one of those Mm -hmm. I love that that's so cool yeah so yeah that then it all ended up here now she's she now she's 29 and I can write things that are kind of you know gritty and disturbing mm-hmm. <laughs> but you know yeah i i remember you know like when my kids were littler they are still little but like oh you know like i'm starting to see i'm starting to understand what makes a good picture book you know like what what's gets them you know excited what gets me excited to read it to them it's and i'm like answer well yeah. i yeah and i'm like i think i can do it and i tried to do it and it's really hard you know yeah. it's like it is a skill yeah. Yeah. Those, those writers are amazing. It's a real alchemy too, because, you know, if the, if the illustration isn't just striking in some ways and, you know, jiving with the text, it really doesn't have any life to it. It's kind of amazing yeah. how, how little you need to go right, but you need things to go just exactly right. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. was it that Mo Willems, you know, who's so oh my popular, God. like my kids are obsessed those, with him. Yeah. You look at those books and you think, like there's nothing here. Like what is here? And then, yeah. but it works, but it absolutely works. I mean, yeah. it's, 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 it's kind of amazing. It is amazing. It is so amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Mine were never quite, they never quite worked. I mean, I did, that's, that's actually, I did the illustrations too, which is my last foray into this whole graphic 
you know, I realized, oh, I'm not good enough to really be a picture book artist, but I could do a graphic project as a grown up because you don't have to be that good an artist. Right. For, like, <laughs> you, know, you, look, you could like do good stick figures if it, if it, it works. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Sure. Yeah. Like what's that one? There's like a children's book. That's just about like two, like two paint splotches. It's like yellow and blue. Uh, Sounds so familiar. Yeah. And it's like, I could do that. Right. Yeah. It just plops on the page. Yeah. Yeah. But you know what? I can't, I can't do that. <laughs> yeah. no, it's true. It's, it is kind of, I think most for the most part, sometimes it's hard to be like the illustrator and the author for the picture books. Most, mm-hmm. most of the really, you know, successful ones seem to be like, you know, kind of a, a marriage of some kind. Right. Yeah. Well, this is your first adult novel, right? Your, your previous two were young adult novels. Yeah, I have a short story collection. Uh, the, the first book I had published was a short story collection with tortoise books, which I think, mm-hmm. Alex, you have a book with tortoise, right? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Shout out, Jerry. There you go. Yeah, yeah Jerry. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And then the two kid, like the young, one's a middle grade fiction fantasy. That's the Grace Minow book. And the other one's a, like a YA book. But like, uh, you know, the the YA book is really kind of, grown up also i mean Mm. people tend to read it and not know that it's for kids necessarily Mm -hmm. yeah um yeah so that yeah i've got all those books (laughs) does anything does anything feel different about about this book coming out versus those books yeah i mean i have to say that like this book I mean, those books were super important to me. Like those books were were and are continue to be super important to me. Um, I wrote them originally though a long time ago. So by the time I got them published, I'd moved into writing short fiction and then, you know, for adults, which is something I never thought I could do. Um, So the collection that turned into Staggerwing, which is the one that Tortoise published in uh, 2016, I was kind of like, in the like adult literary fiction sort of world more and kind of felt a little bit more like those were my people. Like um, the, like I never really felt connected into the young adult world or the kid lit world. It's really kind of interesting. Um, And, but like, I really do like my little world of, you know, obscure literary fiction and the people I've met and the writers whose work I've read that's so great. So yeah, when this came out, I was really happy because it's sort of something to share with that community. You know, I don't know, it just feels a little, it feels a little more, um, I don't know, not, it's not, it just feels a, like a weightier book too. I mean, mm-hmm. it deals with a lot of issues that are, you know, it's not, it's not a, it's not, a, it's kind of, people think it's funny, but it deals with, I don't know. It deals with loss and, you know, gender confusion and death and um, sort of, sort of sexism and I don't know, lots of, and like sort of uh, insanity and stuff. So I kind of feel like it's got like a little heavier or something. Mm-hmm. Like, like I'm a real writer. Cause I wrote a, <laughs> I wrote a grown up book. <laughs> That's the mantra I say to myself every day. When I wake up, yeah. I look in the mirror and I say, you're a grown-up writer. Pull yourself together. Right, right. <laughs> well, Alice, thank you so much for coming on. We're so excited for you and for Dogtown and for Word West. And um, it's out. It's been out. So people, go, go get, get it. it. Yeah, go, go get Word it. West and get it. 
<laughs> we're yeah. west where the books are thank you guys so much this is super fun yeah 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 that was fun okay yeah that was awesome dogtown word west yes it's a delight and it's like she said it's there's some some dark shit in there so yes what, what more could you want <laughs> i don't know nothing i mean i guess to keep doing things with your life yeah someone teach alex how <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, i uh, i wanted to mention um something to you because i feel like it'll resonate into our listeners as well okay um i saw as i as i previously mentioned as it and as i posted on my social media i went to see um <laughs> jacqueline novak's show uh, get on your knees last night um right. which is her one woman she's a comedian it's like her one woman show all about blowjobs and like that sounds exactly like what it's ac- not actually <laughs> like like <you're> like <laughs> oh yeah blowjobs but no it's like it's really about like um awareness and uh it's it's about like painful self-awareness basically and um in one of the moments one of the reasons that she hesitates to give her first blowjob is that she can't narrate it happening because her mouth will be um you know engaged otherwise right and so she's like you know i i want to be able to say like i know that i'm not doing this great because it's my first one um and i just want you to know that i know that you know, and like, and I understand that I I'm supposed to be doing this next thing. And I, and you know, like, and she's like, I want to be both me's. I want to be the me that's an idiot. And I want to be the me that points at the idiot in the mirror. I want to be the one that recognizes the idiot. And I want to be that idiot. (laughs) And I just feel like, I feel like that is sort of a theme of my life and maybe of every writer's life where it's Mm. like, no, I know that I'm, I'm fucking this up, but I also I want you to know that I know that, you know, like Mm -hmm. I'm too, I'm the fool and I'm the one who points at the fool. Um, And I just felt like, you know, what a, what a, (laughs) what a metaphor for this podcast. (laughs) I love that. That actually makes me think of, I had, I got a note from my agent one time on my, actually the novel that's out on submission right now. And the note from Monica was, man, you undercut your characters a lot. And but it, it was always the character that was like closest to myself. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and I think it's a similar impulse. It's like the reader is usually savvy enough to notice, okay, this is a character that's, a, even if it's not like an authorial stand and it's like, this is closer to the real person who's writing this book. Mm. And my instinct is just to like fucking destroy that person. Mm-hmm, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like, like, make fun of this person for everything and like you know and not even in a trying to be funny way but just like exactly what you're saying like have an awareness that (laughs) it doesn't doesn't stand above the reader or stand above whoever's taking in whatever art you're you're producing I totally relate to that I love that that it's so smart yeah and I feel like I feel like I torture myself with that constantly I know I'm not alone clearly mm-hmm. isn't she no you know? of course not yeah but um I, I just thought like oh my god yes that's exactly what it is that's exactly what it is like is my writing a blowjob <laughs> <laughs> um so ruminate on that everyone and 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 hit us up and let me know if i'm my writing is yeah. a blowjob <laughs> oh, dms thanks um and yeah i'm i'm uh 
other than that, I'm reading um, Crying in H Mart. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Michelle's Honor. Yeah. Um, That's and, the Japanese breakfast book? Yes. Okay. About her mother's death. And it is right. like I knew people loved it and I knew it was good, but it's like so much better than I was expecting. That's awesome. Good. She she studied creative writing at some point. So, um, and just like, there's so much Korean food in it and just, Mm. I'm starving the whole time I'm reading it and the way that she talks about the flavors and the smells and everything. It's just, it's beautiful. Mm -hmm. It's really beautiful. And her relationship with her mother is so complicated. And so I don't know, it's, it's such a great book. Awesome. You're watching hockey and drinking beer. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, what else am I doing? What else am I doing? Raising children. All right, yeah, me too. Me too. We uh trick or treating was good. I don't think we talked since then. No. This was like the first year that my oldest is three and a half, the same as your youngest. And so this was like last year was you know deep COVID year. This is like diet COVID. So everybody's (laughs) still trick-or-treating. And Mm -hmm. uh that was great. Uh it was actually like such a beautiful day here in Chicago yeah. land. And, it wasn't too uh, cold. No, it was great. And uh, so the girls had fun. We had an Elmo and a Snow White, which was a good combo. Their pictures were so freaking precious. <laughs> I mean, they are so yeah, beautiful. Your kids too. It was. It's so fun to see the. It's fun to see the kids so excited. That was like the first experience I had as a parent, where it was like a holiday that we were really participating in because yes. you know they're they're kind of too young for. They had been too young for Santa Claus or anything at this point. So it yeah. was it was fun to see them all gassed up about it. Yeah. When that stuff starts happening and it'll happen more and more, it's like, oh, okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Right. All right. Awesome. Yeah, for sure. Here, here, our neighborhood gets like wave after wave after wave of trick-or-treaters. Like people drive here and park and trick-or-treat. No, I'm not kidding. And and it can wow. be like we bought. 2000 or maybe even 2500 pieces of candy and we were like out by seven and how how late were people coming to the door well we like shut all the lights off and hid because Mm -hmm. and then the people are pretty good about not coming up if your light's not on um but they were out there until like 10 you know like and and our neighborhood just like really makes it a party like people have like um cookouts in the front yard and they're handing out candy and um, you know, like, uh, one of our like blocks shut down and they had fire dancers and all kinds of stuff happening. So it's like, it's like a huge event in my neighborhood. And we have some friends who just moved here. Um, and they're from Thailand and they had never, like, they knew what Halloween was, mm-hmm. but the way our neighborhood does it is like very unique. And they were just like, they were like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Like their friends in Thailand were like, um, we're coming there next year for Halloween. Oh my like, God. That's this amazing. is crazy. Yeah. And, and I had to, at one point I was stood up and I was like, we don't have any more candy. Please oh my God. leave my home. I love it. But it's so fun. It was, and it's, it's like you said, it's like diet COVID and we trick-or-treated last year. Cause my neighborhood also made, um, everyone did like these candy shoots where it was oh, like, how cool is that? I, yeah. Yeah. So like you didn't do, get too close to each other getting candy. Mm-hmm. Um, but this was crazy this year. Um, and it was just good. It was just like, oh, some normalcy. And I got my boys, my two oldest boys who are five and eight. I got them vaccinated yesterday. They got their unreal. Just so cool. In- insane. Um, so that feels really good. Yeah. Have you given in and started listening to Christmas music yet? 
Oh, no, no, okay. no, no. Good for you. I don't know if you remember this about me. It's a small detail about my life, but I work retail. So Whoa! I, yeah, I know. So I will resist like that is a no go for me. I got Alex. You're so I'm a, I'm a pure Grinch. I fuck that noise. No, I, my kids like got obsessed with Halloween songs. And so they mm-hmm. want to hear the same Halloween songs over Which and ones over. do they like? They like Thriller. They like Somebody's Watching Me by Rockwell, which by the way. Great song. I, I need to hear like a podcast on that song alone because the character he's playing in that song is bonkers. Like part of me thinks, is he like, <laughs> <laughs> like he's just like, I'm just an average man in my average home. <laughs> All I want is to be left alone. <laughs> like he's, he's insane. <sighs> Oh I think it's God. just a song about paranoia, but then he said his, like, I read up all about it. And, and apparently like some of these things in the song actually happened to people he knew. Huh. I don't know. I need, I need more information. Rockwell, if you're listening, we'd love to have Rockwell? you on. Sure. Well, that's his, that's his stage name. I think his real name is Kenny Kenneth. Anyway. Um, so they love that. They love all the uh, um, nightmare before Christmas music, which is great. Mm-hmm. But I'm that so is good fucking music. sick of it. <laughs> So finally Halloween was over and I was able to say like, oh, <clears throat> after Halloween, Siri takes all the Halloween songs away. So we can't, Forever. <laughs> we can't hear them until next Halloween. Well, then of course they were like, I want to hear a Christmas song. Oh, so man. I'm in hell. Um, but thankfully, like I've been able to just play like the Charlie Brown Christmas music, which is. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, that's a really good one. There's not a lot of words. <laughs> it's just the, nice music. The only ones that I like can think of where I'm like, okay, I actually really like that is the Mariah Carey album. So good. Which is like untouchable. And then Elvis Christmas. I love Elvis Christmas. Oh yeah. Those two. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Those two I'm okay with, but the rest of it, I'm just like, I don't know. No, thanks. No, I know. I'm so sick of it. I did see at Target the other day that Mm -hmm. Gwen Stefani and Nora Jones both have Christmas albums out. So maybe those... Oh no. We can add the Nora Jones one is definitely coming in the rotation in my house. Britt's a big Nora Jones person. Man, you got to get her the vinyl. It's at Target, bro. Yeah, we're a big vinyl household. (laughs) You fucking kidding me? Oh my God. Ben got a rig. That's what he calls it. He has a rig now. Um, Yeah, that's a Ben thing, though. I feel like that's, you know, that's like within, that's like a normal Ben thing. I just, I'm like, give me a fucking break. No, I don't want that. (laughs) I meant that as a compliment. I meant that as a compliment to Ben, by the way. I, I'm not talking shit about my friend Ben here. No, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> um, he doesn't know how to switch his turntable from like 45 to 33. So I have to do it for him. Oh my God. And it's his fucking rig. <laughs> I'm like, honey, I need help. I'm like, no, it's yours. I wasn't born with this special skill. <laughs> you just Google it and then do what they say on Google. The amount of shit that I can't do that Britt knows how to do could fill three books that well, I have listen, to be like, listen, fucking to me. help me. It is not undoable by you. <laughs> you have to do it. You have to figure it out and do it. Yeah. But the problem is I have that slow brain and it's so tough to acquire new skills, you know, just in general. Listen, this is what every father falls back on. I don't know. I just can't. I'm not as good as you. And then you just get to sit back and fart into your beer can while we're like, okay, here's the, this is a Phillips head and this is a flathead. God damn it. I'll just do it myself. That's, that's it's so that's real. It it's, oh, it's like, uh, I mean, Brittany would, I'd have to pay her. Mm, I don't know what 
$75 to listen to this. But if I had $75 and she could hear that, she would agree with you. <laughs> ben, same thing. He has never, sometimes I make him listen to the openings. Yeah. The whole like, opening. He can like, he'll go 10 seconds. Like, you know, like any little clip that I have at the mm-hmm. very beginning. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, this will get him. But he, then he'll, he'll be like, well, sometimes I'm sitting down there. So I feel like I already hear it all, which is sure. Whatever. It's fine. Uh, it's fine. It's fine. We've been together almost 20 years. Okay. It's fine. Ooh, when is 20 years? Next July. Wow. That's awesome. I know, man. Stole my 20 years. Holy shit. You robbed the cradle. (laughs) 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 Anywho. And on that note. Talk to you later. Bye, bud. Bye. I'm a Writer Butt is recorded by Alex Hickley and me, Lindsay Hunter, in our respective basements. Editing by Lindsay Hunter. Music by Max Loop. Yay!